Well, as you'll probably remember, in 2022, the Labour government released a discussion document on hate speech laws that intended to strengthen protections against speech inciting hatred or discrimination because they said they didn't believe the current law was clear enough, specifically highlighting that trans, gender diverse and intersex people needed to be protected from discrimination. They said the final proposal would make changes to clarify this by changing the word sex, currently understood as biological sex, as would naturally be expected, to include sex characteristics or intersex status and adding a new ground, gender, including gender expression and gender identity. Yeah, no surprise. Now, similarly, the Greens have campaigned for several years on expanding hate speech laws on similar categories. Fortunately, the pushback by the general public and you was so strong that Labour ditched the proposals. And the good news is that in the coalition agreement between National and ACT, the hate speech proposals are off the agenda. And the Law Commission has been told to stop the work that Labour was trying to get it to do on the issue. Great stuff. But that doesn't mean we won't see continued attempts to introduce hate speech laws by the left. As I say, rust never sleeps. We need to stay vigilant. But if you want to see the problem with hate speech laws, ironically, it was Greens MP Chloe Schwarbrick who confirmed that the radical left will define hate speech and it will be based on just speech that they don't like. Let's check it out. So you may recall in 2019 with Duncan Garner on the AM show on TV3, that then Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern identified the threshold between reasonable speech, reasonable criticism, and hate speech as she said, when you see it, you know it. Views that people necessarily wouldn't agree with. There's a very big difference between that and language which is designed to try and incite harm against others. Uh, and it's kind of examples where when you see it, you know it. Um, it hmm. Yep, when you see it, you know it. In other words, you may not know until afterwards that you've broken the law, depending on who gets upset. Who decides what are insulting words likely to excite hostility or bring into contempt? Who decides harm? The government? The media? Social media outcry. And of course, there is the new form of hate speech in the form of disinformation. The Disinformation Project, for example, studies misinformation and disinformation in New Zealand. And last year, they put out a report squarely aimed at you for all the things that you talk about. They talked about far-right and conservative ideologies around free speech, Christian, evangelical or Pentecostal faith, abortion, euthanasia, cannabis law reform, families and family structure, LGBTQIA plus rights, including conversion therapy, immigration, race and gender. Yep, these are all forms of disinformation which can lead to hate speech. Everything that we talk about. And then in one of my favourite clips of all time, the head of the Disinformation Project appeared on a government-funded program on TVNZ called Web of Chaos, where there was an explanation of how certain people, gullible people, become conspiracy theorists and purveyors of disinformation. Code hate speech. 
which has striking consequences for social cohesion and democracy. Now check out the list, and apologies to any mums who may be watching. Apparently, you are the problem. You can draw people in in lots of different places. And each of the platforms are used in different ways. Hello, friends. As you can see, I'm working on my wig back. What is known internationally as the kind of trad wife set of viewpoints, which is white Christian, a lot of pseudo-Celtic, pseudo-Nordic ideologies behind it. They use Pinterest and Instagram to draw in other women who are interested in interior design, children's clothing, knitting, healthy food for children. And it does draw people in towards a set of white nationalist ideas. I mean, it's relatively easy to see. If you see a very beautiful, fair-skinned, blonde or red-haired child with beautiful braiding in her hair and some flowers, just step back a little bit. Yep, a beautiful, fair, skinned blonde or red-haired child with braiding and flowers. Just step back. White nationalism. Uh, and then in a UN speech in 2022, which garnered significant international criticism, and some commentators believe that the negative reaction to this speech may have been part of the reason for the government's partial backdown on hate speech laws, Jacinda Ardern, the then Prime Minister, linked the phrase disinformation with weapons, the face of war, and hate speech. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted as being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. But while I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble? How do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? <gasps> how do you ensure the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? The weapons may be different, but the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same to cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves, to disband communities, to collapse the collective strength of countries who work together. But we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of warfare. Yeah, so this apparently is all hate speech, but as defined by the left. But when you shout, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is well-known code for the elimination of the state of Israel, and which Jewish people rightly find abhorrent when it's said, it's okay. It's not hate speech, apparently. Here's Green MP Chloe Schwabrick using a phrase calling for the elimination of Israel. Yeah, sorry about the uh, shouting there, and it's not the first time that Chloe and other Green MPs have been associated with that phrase. Now, 
Sometimes the media surprises us and actually calls out the hypocrisy of the left. And someone who says that, quote, words are violence, end quote, but then uses words that Jewish people see as a threat of violence, which Jews find highly offensive, and which they've actually met with Chloe Schraubrick and told her that to her face. And last week, Jack Tame on Q&A, and of all the media, I do have some time and respect for him as a semi-balanced interviewer. He tackled Chloe on this hypocrisy. Now, have a watch of this short clip, and to Jack's credit, he doesn't allow Chloe to change the topic as much as she tries to. And watch the very good point that Jack makes at the end. When you use that phrase, were you aware that many Jewish people consider that to be a hateful and inflammatory phrase? And I take my lead from Palestinian and Jewish peace activists. That doesn't answer my question. Were you aware that many Jewish people consider that to be a hateful and inflammatory statement? Yes, Jack, I am aware of the fact that there are many differing views you, on this. You, so you, at the time you used that statement, you were aware that many in the Jewish community considered it inflammatory and hateful. Not necessarily the people who were there, mm. but that many in that community considered it inflammatory and hateful. When you used that phrase, you were aware of that? Yes, and I want to talk to the broader okay. context. No, 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 I'll, I'll, we'll bring up the broader context. So your, your colleague, Ricardo Menendez March, used the phrase on social media back in 2021, and you were tagged in the post at the time. According to the New Zealand Jewish Council, after they expressed their concerns, you untagged yourself from that post. Is that correct? I don't recall. Is it true that after they expressed concerns, you met with students and teachers at the Karima Jewish School in yes. your Auckland Central electorate? People with knowledge of that meeting say you were told by the school in your electorate that that phrase was inflammatory and hateful and could even be interpreted as calling for the genocide of the Jewish people. Is that correct? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to recall the specifics of that, but I also recall that I continue to hold true to the kaupapa that Palestinian freedom is necessary if we are to have uh, long-standing peace and justice in I don't, the don't think anyone is, is, is opposing that statement. It's whether or not using the phrase that you chose to use could be interpreted as being inflammatory and hateful. So I, I want to know, when you had the meeting with the Kadima School in Auckland Central, people with knowledge of that meeting say you were told it was inflammatory and hateful. Mm -hmm. What do you recall? Uh, I recall that that was, yes, uh, along those lines, that would have been the views that right. were expressed. Right, so, so, so again, no, 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 hang on. So the Green Party has long expressed concerns about hate speech. Hmm. Given the widespread and extremely well-documented concerns with the term that you used, do you believe it was hate speech? No, and if I may have a moment to unpack precisely that. As I was alluding to before, I believe that there is a deeply problematic and intentional misunderstanding that is being painted across the Palestinian people here, whereby there is some presupposition that freedom for Palestinian people who have been living under mm -hmm. occupation for decades now and are presently being subjugated to a genocide. Mm. We are talking about tens of thousands of people who have been murdered in the last few months, approximately half of them children, and we are talking about advocating for their freedom, and that freedom is being painted somehow as violence. No, see, this is, this is, the, this is the problem, right? You, you had an option when, when you were there, when you were speaking in public. You had been warned by Jewish people that the phrase could be interpreted as being inflammatory and hateful. You'd gone to a meeting with a Jewish school in your electorate in which people in your own electorate had said that term could be interpreted as being inflammatory and hateful. And yet you chose to use it. You could have used an unambiguously non-offensive term in support of the Palestinian cause. 2468, Palestine should have a state. It is not 
so complicated. But you chose in that moment to use a term that is interpreted by many as being hateful. Yeah, well done, Jack. See, one of the most disturbing realities of criminalising hate speech is there's simply no agreement on the definition of what constitutes hate speech. When hate speech laws are passed in any country, it's pushed by the radical left and defined by them. Advocates for hate speech laws clearly disagree with a morally conservative or traditional worldview, a Christian worldview. The finger is generally pointed at conservatives for so-called online hate. Now, look, to be clear, I personally don't think Chloe should be criminalised for using that phrase. I actually think it brings out into the light exactly what they think and their agenda. I can totally understand why Jewish people find it highly offensive. But when we know exactly what Chloe and many others on the left really think, it means we can call out their agenda for what it really is. A two-state solution is an oxymoron. It will never be a solution in the eyes of the radical left or of Hamas. Only the elimination, as demonstrated by Hamas, is their solution. See, in a free and open society, distasteful opinions are met with open inquiry, civil dialogue and debate. If I don't like what you say, even if I find it offensive, I meet your ideas with my own in an attempt to discover something approaching the truth. But political activists and special interest groups will miss the important distinction between hate speech and merely speech they hate, and end up using such laws as tools of political intimidation to punish opponents and shut down debate in the marketplace of ideas. Now, if you'd like to learn more on this topic, go to our website, hatespeech.nz, to learn more, hatespeech.nz. The greatest irony, irony, sorry, the greatest irony in all of this is that it was a promoter of hate speech laws, Chloe Schraubrick, who proved to us just how flawed those laws would be and how the left will use them inconsistently, but always to their advantage. Thanks, Chloe, for making that so obvious. Yeah.